0: Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with visionary healthcare expert, Dr. Dolores Fazzino. She is well-known for integrating spirituality and wellness into conventional medicine. With over 40 years of experience as a nurse practitioner and medical intuitive, she has performed 18,500-plus surgeries. Her dynamic presence and empathic nature captivates audiences worldwide. Her personalized programs combine energy healing, intuitive counseling, and conventional medicine medicine to foster healing and transformation. She's got a great story. Enjoy this interview. Hi, Dolores.
1: Hi. How are you? Hi, Joe. I'm good. Thank you.
2: Good. Nice to meet you.
1: Nice to meet you as well.
2: Where are you coming out of?
1: Um, San Diego, California. How about oh, you? Wow.
2: I'm in Kansas City.
1: Ah, Dorothy.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. We're close. Yeah. In fact, There's, you'll hear some, there's some thunder going on right now. So we got the, we got the, the the mood scenery, but yeah, San Diego is beautiful. I was out there last year on vacation. It's wonderful.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm very blessed to live here. I've been here 35 years. I came out on vacation from the East coast and, and moved three months later and the rest is history.
2: Good for you. Excellent. Well, before we get into your life as a healthcare expert, what I would like to do is or are you okay with jumping right in? I come from jazz oh, radio. Oh,
1: absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Cool. So, what I would like to do is start off with COVID. How did you survive the last 3 years and how has it changed the way that you do things now?
1: Okay, yeah, absolutely. Are we going live now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, th- there you go. COVID's been a real interesting um Gosh, I don't I don't I got to choose my words words wisely. Interesting um, concept. I'm going to say because it's really changed a lot. I mean, I think in in the, in regards to healthcare, we've been on this trajectory to doing a lot of changes. And the thing is, the COVID and living through that whole pandemic really accelerated the demise that we're seeing. Currently in our healthcare system, I think it was on the track for that to happen, but COVID just made it happen a lot quicker, accelerated it. So, you know, what I'm witnessing, you know, cause I'm still in um, the clinical setting, in addition to being a um, holistic um, practitioner is that uh, in my area of expertise is in surgery because I'm an assistant surgeon is that I've noticed that, um, the work ethic has kind of shifted a little bit where people aren't, you know, going to take, if there's no respect being served at the table, there, there's no reason for them to stay. So people are waking up and pretty much taking their power back. But on the flip side of it, it's also causing what we know as the previous paradigms of how things used to, to work. It's no longer working. And I think a lot of times these institutions, think that you could um, solve the problem with the old way of doing things, and that's no longer true. So we're really witnessing a crumbling of um, old old ways of doing things. And, you know, I'm optimistic because sometimes when the crumbling happens, it's almost like you become the phoenix rising from the ashes, and something really amazing can happen. So we're in that transitory state right now where I think there is – you know, so much uncertainty and so much unknownness that you know we just start taking it nanosecond by nanosecond, basically. Yeah. But yes, I've witnessed that. You know, there, you know, even in the surgery arena, and I'm on the West Coast, and I know this is true throughout the United States, in particular, is that the staffing is a huge issue because they can't get people in there to to work because people just are not wanting to work for whatever reason. And, you know, good for them if they, if this is what they choose to do yet, what we have right now is a great opportunity to shift some culture. So
2: for sure. So let me ask you this, let's get to the essence of exactly what you do on a daily basis. I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders at a career day. One of the kids, (laughs) okay. One of the kids looks up and says, Hey, what do you do for a living? How would you answer that child?
1: I tell people, well, I would tell this young child is like, I help people heal in ways they never thought possible. And what I mean by that, it's like it's sometimes there's a lot of things that we can't see, but yet there are there. And when we tap into those things, that's when we are allowed to come into our own uh, power and create something different than what we could see.
2: Yeah. So what did you want to be when you were in the third grade, when you were growing up?
1: Uh, when I was in the third grade, I actually wanted to be a concert clarinetist.
2: Okay. Excellent. So so you, you said you grew up on the East Coast. Talk to me a little bit about your childhood, where you were born and raised, and how these seeds of getting into healthcare and helping others, how did that happen for you?
1: Well, you know what? Um, Joe, everybody has their story. And so my story is, is pretty unique because growing up on the East Coast, um, I always knew that I just didn't quite fit in there. And I knew that, you know, who knows, you know, healthcare wasn't even on my radar because growing up in the household that I grew up in, um, I was a, you know, a very sensitive child, like an empath intuitive and highly sensitive person. So, you know, I grew up in the 60s. And in the 60s, you know, you were the outlier, people were trying to, to consolidate you and put you in a box and have you show up a certain way. My parents household, my mom was a product of an alcoholic household. So she didn't like to feel anything and her MO for anything that was emotional or something is ignored, it'll go away. So when you say that to somebody like myself, when you say ignore it, it'll go away. It doesn't go away. It gets bigger. It grows. So, you know, I used to tell her it's not going away. It's getting bigger. So for me to channel my emotions and feelings, I really concentrated on music and was able to put a lot of my energy into that now in tandem at the same time in my childhood from you know, I would guess second grade to 11th grade, my dad um, had a chronic illness that he ended up having back surgery in the mid sixties and picked up a hospital acquired infection, which back in the sixties is considered like a death sentence because they didn't have the antibiotics or the technology that they have present day to treat any of that. So my dad was really sick on his deathbed When I was in second grade, my mom, you know, led us to believe that everything was fine. And I knew intuitively it was not. And, you know, just witnessing that. So I felt, you know, like my childhood was a roller coaster because that was the first time that that particular episode happened. He healed from that. But four years later, and and this was in 1970, and every year almost to the day, my dad would, um, relapse and have something very similar happen where he'd have the whole sequela of being on his deathbed and having to have major surgery to clear out abscesses and, and stuff like that. And so I didn't know if my father was going to come, go to the hospital and come out alive or not. So, you know, t- tail, you know, piggybacking that onto my childhood, I really excelled in music. And it wasn't until the, um, I'm going to say in 1975, when my dad was having his fourth episode of this, he was already in the hospital, that the CAT scanner got introduced into the medical world as the first piece of modern technology uh, used in diagnostic studies. So they put my dad underneath the CAT scanner, and lo and behold, where he had his initial surgery back in the mid 60s, they found that This is where his abscesses were stemming from. And the solution for the problem would be having major back surgery, which in 1975 was in its neophyte stages of development. So it came with a high risk of either being paralyzed, dying or not getting better or maybe getting better. My mom at the time was at her wits end and I could just imagine having four children and, uh, you know, and a sick husband that you just didn't know when the other shoe was going to drop. She was looking for alternative solutions because Western medicine she felt failed her. And so she, of all places I laugh about this now because back in the 70s, we didn't have Google, we didn't have WebMD, we didn't have anything of the technology that we have, we are blessed with today. The um, information digest of the day was the National Enquirer. Wow. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Yeah. So think about that for a second, because what happened then is that she found um, a healer that was, Out of Carroll, Michigan, uh, uh, Reverend Alex Holmes, who was a Presbyterian minister who had the gift of laying out of hands, and he was being featured as a write-up article because he was able to assist his brother to heal from leukemia. And Dr. Holmes at that time in 1975 had been doing this type of healing work for at least 25 years. So since like the 1950s. And of course... This was considered quackery at the time too, you know. So th- this is how society was thinking back in those days. My mom was all over that like, you know, uh bread on uh, butter on bread. My dad not so much. He was the biggest skeptic and he said only if the surgeon agrees to it. So, my mom, my parents were in the hospital and so my mom marched out to the nurse's station where a doctor surgeon was sitting and, you know, talked to the surgeon and said, I'm thinking about having a spiritual healer come in to assist my husband with his condition. Would that be okay? Surgeon's writing, looks at her, didn't miss a beat and said, sure, that would be fine. And so mom went back to the room, shared this information with my father. My father said, yes, we'll do it. My mom came back out to the nurse's station, not 10 minutes went by. Same surgeon doctor there. And the surgeon um you know, my mom made the announcement to the surgeon saying, you know, my husband agreed to have the spiritual healer come in. And the surgeon dropped his pencil looked up at her, What are you talking about? I never agreed to that. It was in one of those moments, of course, my mom didn't share that piece of information with my dad. And a month later, Reverend Holmes was at our home in Connecticut. So my siblings, I'm one of four, my two grandmothers and my parents were there. And I just remember meeting the minister, and he was the most humblest, um, beautiful person, just this beautiful essence and energy about him. And he looked at my dad, and he said, you know, I noticed one of your legs is shorter than the other. And I don't know how the heck this man knew this, because my dad, my mom, my father just met the man. And um, my dad did have a leg length discrepancy about an inch, he used to wear a lift in his shoes, but his shoes were nowhere in sight. And he was barefoot. So he had my dad sit down, which he did. And we put both legs up. And you could see the one inch gap between the longer and the shorter had my dad put his legs down. And then my he continued to say some prayers over my father, he touched my dad's belly, his solar plexus and his crown, the top of his head, and three minutes went by and he said, now put both your feet up. And they were both the same length. In that moment, my life changed forever. I knew that it was my mission in this lifetime to be the bridge between the physical and the spiritual and the invisible with the visible. My father started sobbing like a baby because he was the type of person that, remember, he was a skeptic. He needed to witness that something was actually happening for it to to heal. The Reverend said more prayers over my father for about a half an hour. My father was instructed to lie down and rest which he did and he slept for over 24 hours, which is not unusual and people have a lot of massive energy work done in their system because your body is trying to reboot itself, just like a computer getting a new downloaded program. It needs to reboot itself. A month later, he went back to get a repeat CAT scan. There was no evidence of the infection or any problem that he had in that area. He never had to have the surgery. He never had to revisit that problem in his lifetime, and he passed away about twelve years ago at the age of eighty.
2: That's amazing story. So, in your life, who's been kind of a hero for you, a motivator?
1: Oh my gosh! Um, I was always—I um, had the pleasure of working with Dr. Bernie Siegel when I was back in Connecticut at Yale New Haven Hospital, and he really was an inspiration to me because he was such a pioneer during the 1970s and 80s of the forefront of what we are seeing um, in modern medicine, the whole connection between the body, mind, and soul, but also the power of love. So he, and he's still alive, and he still is doing some work and stuff, but it's, he was probably one of the first people that I had contact with that got what I was really doing, so...
2: So if you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now and spend mm. some time with them, who would it be?
1: Oh, my gosh. <sighs> I want to say the Dalai Lama. I think yeah. it would be really cool to hang out with him and just be in his presence and his essence.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, speaking of the Dalai Lama, who obviously has a lot of motivation and a lot of a lot to give. What is that motivation for you every day to do the work that you do? What is it that's the fuel in your tank that gets you through and and makes you be who you are?
1: I realize that it's bigger than I am and I'm just a conduit. And I feel the need to show up and claim my power and walk the path that I need to walk in order to, allow and inspire people to, um, to move in that direction.
2: It's like leading
1: by example.
2: For sure. So of all of the things that you've done professionally up to this point, what are you the proudest of?
1: Oh my goodness. (laughs) Um, You know what? Currently I'm just really proud of the fact that um, I feel very comfortable in my own skin and that, um speaking my truth is my God's given right, and that, um, my gosh, it's just like it, it, it's just like every day is a new adventure. So it's just like you just never know what's gonna come your way, but you know that you can handle it.
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure. So you know, in the realm of medicine, in our lives, we've gone through warp speed. I mean, what people used to go through to what we go through now. What do you think is one of the best medical advancements that you've witnessed in your lifetime?
1: You know, I've been in the whole surgical realm for probably the last 40 plus years. So I've witnessed a lot. But I think the most highly advanced thing is the um, robotic surgery, the intuitive da Vinci. You know, considering that we've been, you know, 40 years ago when I started in the perioperative setting, minimally invasive surgery was non-existent. We used to open people from stem to stern, and now it's like you make little small holes going in with instrumentation and just the outcomes and what you could see is far, way far better than you can ever imagine. So the technology has advanced so quickly, as you were saying, it's just like, it's almost like it's at warp speed. It's like we had been on a trajectory like this and all of a sudden it's like this, Yeah, you know, it's like, so it's just like, I'm excited to see what's going to come down the pike in the next five years, because I'm sure it's going to be something unrecognizable.
2: What's been the best client success story you've been involved with? One that always puts a smile on your face.
1: You know, um, I remember this one patient <clears throat> that I was working with as a coaching client. And he had been on a list for a liver transplant for a very, very long time. He had uh, hepatitis C and just, you know, unfortunately needed to have that. I knew that, you know, this was going to happen and occur. But yet every time he would get to the 11th hour to get The um the transplant, something would happen and it was either a mismatch or or um you know something was wrong with the um donated organ. And so I said to him, I tapped into him and I said, you know, there's something uh, you know, I'm feeling like you're holding something heavy in your chest, like, you know, like some disappointment. I said, I want you to, to work with that and just feel what that's all about, because there's some, I'm feeling like some unforgiveness that needs to happen. So when, you know, he looked at that and then he worked on some forgiveness stuff and in the next week he got his liver and there was no problem. So sometimes when there's a blockage in our space, we are, um, I'm going to say um, creating an obstacle for, for, for something to come in our way. And when we start clearing up our obstacles, you know, there's like a, um, a beeline. I call it like when this, the holes in the Swiss cheese line up, everything's like straight and you, and, and it's a straight shot and you're aligned and things start to happen.
2: So when you look back on your life, let's say you have a dream tonight, you run into the 20 year old version of yourself and you could give that version of you a piece of advice based on the wisdom you've gained in your life. What would you tell that young version of you?
1: Patience, grasshopper. Patience. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's great. <laughs> it's so true.
1: Oh, it's so true. It's like we want everything yesterday and you know, uh in a nanosecond, and sometimes that's just not the way it goes. Yep. And you know, you have to gain the life experience and the wisdom to get to the point that you need to where all your holes in your Swiss cheese are lined up.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
2: So everyone out there in your life, you have all these pockets of people that have perceptions, perceptions of you, family, friends, clients, colleagues, but you run the show. What is your perception of you? Who do you think you are?
1: Oh, wow. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like so humbled right now. Um, My gosh. I... Feel I am a very kind, connected, wise, seasoned woman who holds a lot of wisdom and assists a lot of people.
2: Excellent. Dolores, if anyone out there wants to learn more about you, anything pertaining to your world, where can they go on the web?
1: They could go and go to my website at Doctor Dolores D O L O R E S Fazino F S Frank A double Z as in zebra I N O dot com Doctor Dolores Fazino dot com.
2: Doctor Dolores, thank you so much for opening up. Thanks for your story. I really appreciate. It's fascinating how you got to where you've gotten. It's quite a journey. So thank you for opening up.
0: Thank you, Joe, for having me. A pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe D'Amino channel on YouTube. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.